Aloha, friends. I'm Matthew Gray, and this is 50 Tastes of Gray. Today's guest, I think everybody knows, it's Mark Walters, the host of Walters World on YouTube. If you know anything about travel, if you're interested in seeing the world, this is the guy that you've probably seen. He's a very recognizable, affable, well-traveled host. Mark Walters from Walters World with over 1 million subscribers. He's a familiar face in the world of travel, obviously. He's got an infectious passion for exploring new destinations and a keen sense of humor. We had a great time. This was a fun show. We talked about food. We talked about his childhood, his past, what he ate. It was just very engaging and down to earth. I really enjoyed Mark a lot. We had a good, fun time. I've learned over the years that I've been watching him and his beautiful wife, Jocelyn, that Walter's World is absolutely my go-to channel for anyone seeking authentic travel anywhere in the world. So they talk about the city, they talk about the people, they talk about the food. This is fun stuff. I think you're really going to enjoy it. We'll talk about adventures, mishaps. We'll talk about his man bun, uh, whether or not it's a man bun or a ponytail. Who's to say? <laughs> anyway, this is going to make you feel real good. We had a good connection here, and obviously Mark would be a wonderful travel companion. Tune into uh, Walter's World on YouTube and keep listening here to 50 Tastes of Grey. If you're looking to see what, where I am at any given time, you can always check out my whereabouts at lovelife.com. Okay, enjoy the show with Mark Walters. Aloha. You know, so before we uh, begin about speaking about all the technical issues that happen in life, I want to ask you this first question. What did you eat today so far? What did I eat today so far? I had a banana blueberry smoothie and I had some granola with soy milk. Oh, no, almond milk. Almond milk. Do you make your own almond milk? No, I'm not that talented. Oh, okay. You don't cook much? Uh, my wife does, but I, I I used to cook a lot back in the day. And then my wife is such a so much more better than I am that she's put a hundred pounds, more than a hundred pounds on me since we got married. God bless her. That's right. Her good cooking and my lack of willpower. It's a horrible combination. Oh, you know, in some ways it is, but it's also a delicious outcome when you think about it. Amen to that. <laughs> <laughs> and what's on the rest of the menu for the rest of the day? So we'll probably do, I just got out some tilapia and we're going to do some like blackened tilapia tacos tonight with avocado and, you know, some shallots, you know, kind of make like a, some kind of uh, little something to go in with there. And then I don't know for the, for the side, I don't know yet. Usually we'll, we'll let our, we'll let our 11 year old decide what, what else he wants with it. Oh, he's such a cutie. You know, uh, back in the eighties when I was chefing in Hollywood, when blackened foods became a thing. Yeah. We always looked at it from those of us who had like a uh, classical uh, education. We looked at blackened food as something that you don't want to do. But then it became so popular and now it is really a thing, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what I was like. Yeah, it'll be blackened tilapia. Yeah, that is true. I forgot about that. Yeah, it's funny how sometimes it goes from like, oh, I would never eat that. Now it's like, that's the thing. Yeah, it used to be burnt. Now it's blackened. <laughs> I think I think that was somebody's parent that was just like, no, your bagel isn't burned. It's just blackened. So eat it and go to right. school. <laughs> right. And, you know, bagel, no matter how it comes, it's going to be delicious. Amen. Exactly. I tried to explain that to my, my 11-year-old. He had a bagel this morning for breakfast. And I'm like, I toasted that a little long. But if I choose to... If I kind of like position it just right, if I cut it like so it's like instead of big ring, it's just like two halves, 
you cut it at the, the most burned part that it breaks that up. Didn't even notice. Ate it all. Oh wow. See? It's it's a little things you gotta do when you gotta you, know, you got kids. You know, when I was growing up, bagels were like the thing. You'd go to a special bagel place, you'd pick them oh, up, yeah. you'd get a little bit of schmear and, and salmon and red onion and tomato, and you'd just have a day. Yeah, no. So I remember when we were kids, like when my mom would get bagels, because I lived, I grew up in the Midwest, you know, a little like, well, not a small farm town, but relatively, you know, like 30, 40,000 people, nothing around it. So we would get bagels. That was like, ooh, we're fancy this week. Of course, they'd be right. gone like in two days. You know? Oh, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. You're like, after for breakfast and have one when we come back from school. And so. And now and now my my youngest one, he my oldest one was never, he, he was like, he's an okay bagel guy, but like anytime we're like at the airports, wherever, my youngest is like, hey, there's a bagel shop. We can go uh, get a bagel. I'm like, all right, man, that's fine. Better than the airplane food. It's fine. He, oh, yeah, definitely. So do you bring food on board when you guys are traveling all the time? So when we go travel, usually what we'll do is we'll have snacks with us, but we don't try to eat our snacks. If they have something available, we kind of save it for just in case, because since we travel international a lot, you, know, you get in late at night or you get in super early in the morning. A lot of times restaurants aren't open yet, or there's not a kiosk around, or like we were, we were staying in St. Louis by the airport. There's no food anywhere near there. So it's like, I like to have like a few snacks available just in case the kids are like, dad, I'm hungry or like, or I'm hungry or my wife's hungry. So we'll throw some like, you know, like protein bars because they kind of, they kind of hit the, like you have some candy for the kids and then like a protein bar. And that kind of helps a little bit more with the, uh, the hunger side than just pure sugar. Right. Well, you know, the protein bar is the adult candy bar. That's true. Right. That true. Right. That is true. Especially the ones like, I don't know if you guys have Costco where you are. They've got one there. It's like a peanut butter crunch chocolate one. It's it's like if a Reese's peanut butter cup and like a, a whatchamacallit uh, candy bar had a baby. You're like, yeah, I, I feel healthy when I right. have that. Well, you I know, my protein to get nice and strong. Exactly. I mean, the labeling laws allow for that. So you can make the yeah. most delicious, gorgeous thing in the world and just put the word protein bar on it. And you've got your audience ready. That's right. That's right. They're waiting in line for that. So I want to talk a little bit about everything and not only food, but I want to talk about your background in, in travel and so on. Did you, were you one of those people who after high school, you got the backpack on, strapped it on your back and went did and went and did Europe and all that? Oh, oh yeah. So I did, so my first really big, it's funny, like I grew up, my, our travels was, was literally going from Illinois to Ohio, Toledo, Ohio to see my grandpa. That, that was our vacation every single summer. That's all we ever did. Uh, we did like the, the the ceremonial trip to Florida that no one liked, and we all went to Disney. And no one was happy. Right. <laughs> so we just went to Ohio and went to like Cedar Point. But uh, when I when I was in high school, I actually studied abroad. I was an exchange student in Australia for a summer, and then I went for a year to Finland, and that like really got the travel bug in me. So when I went to college. I did a summer in. Uh, Austria. I did a semester in Argentina. Then I was backpacking. Like in the, I go to Europe to backpack in the winters and the summer. And then when I was studying Argentina, I was, you know, I, I spent like two months after I finished classes backpacking around South America. And then it just, it's never stopped. I mean, that's been all, that's been quite a few, quite a few years ago. And yeah. uh, the the let's travel as much as we can has never stopped. So my wife has Lithuanian descent, and we know oh. because we watch you all the time. We're that well, you lived here, there here. for a while. What's that? Yeah, I lived you, there. So I was there for three and a half years teaching. Three and a half years. Right what there. were you doing? Studying, obviously. No, no. There, when I went nope. there, so I finished my master's in Germany, and I found this opportunity to be a volunteer, like instructor at a, at a Christian college in 
in uh, Lithuania. And I was like, oh, they're like, hey, do you have a master's degree? Do you do you, in business? Would you like to come teach? I'm like, yeah, I always wanted to like, because I had like this bucket list thing of what I wanted to do. It was like, work in Eastern Europe, learn about teaching, get a job in Europe. I'm like, hey, that's like three for one. So I went there and <laughs> volunteer taught for a year, ended up liking it so much. I ended up staying another two and a half years. Um, we actually got a job working for a consulting firm over there too. So I got to do consulting. I got to do um, you know, a lot of teaching. So it was a really good time. But then I was very, very cold. I got really tired of being really, really cold. And I remember, you know, because you know, I was uh, working out in the gym, the basement of this hotel. That's where one of them were. And I come up and they have like, you know, uh, the hotel bar. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to get a beer. So I'm sitting there on the beer and I've got the old, you know, like early Wi-Fi kind of thing. And got this thing sticking out the side of my laptop and my buddy's in Brazil. He's like, why are you so cold? Why are you staying there? It's like, come to Brazil. I'm like, ah, you know, I like it here. It's fine. And then after about four beers of me chatting with him, I'm like, you know what? I think I will move down to Brazil. <laughs> so three and a half years was it. You cut it off at that yeah, three, point. Three and a half water. years was like, uh -huh. all right, I'm out. <laughs> well, so, so you were, when you were there, was it, when you were consulting, what were you consulting on while in Lithuania? So we were doing, uh, it was new product development. Like when I first started, it was on strategy and then it was in branding. And then we started new product development. So like one, one company, we actually were helping them develop like long drinks, like canned mixed drinks, uh -huh. uh, which was pretty fun. Cause I never saw the, like the development process, you know, making these things, but we were going to like their, their factory. And, you know, I mean, when you think of vodka and, and, and spirits, you think of like guys at a bar. I know everyone's in like the white, you know, lab coats that were like, okay, you need to test these things out. And so we're doing tasting things out of the beakers and stuff. And I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. I, I don't know if I'm going to survive, but it'll be kind of cool. And I did learn something very important that honey and vodka, when they, when they make drinks like that, tastes really good. But because so much sugar in there, you have such a wicked hangover the next day that it's just not a good idea. See, that's the downside of the doing doing the R and D for canned cocktails. Yes, yes. The 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 hang. I had not had a hangover like that in a long time. So Lynn <laughs> tells me that in Lithuania, that everything has sour cream on it. Is that part of the deal? Yeah. Well, not everything, but uh -huh. a lot. I mean, it is one of those things <laughs> where you'll have coltini, which is like ravioli, and boom, you put sour cream on there. They think about zeppelina, which is a big. Imagine like a potato, like limp with a meatball inside that's going to have sour cream on there but here's the best part it's huh. not just the sour cream they put on top they got spirguche which is like bacon bits bacon fat crackling oh, stuff yeah they put on it as well you know super healthy stuff but it's so good um so we'd have there'd be that but yeah no the sour cream comes up like more often than you, than you really realize how often you can use sour cream in your life they will use it even more oh yeah we have a love affair with that so the other day I made some Italian flavored meatballs or whatever, and she asked for some sour cream. I said, sweetie, you know, sour cream really doesn't go with these flavors. She says, I want sour cream. I go, okay. You don't yep. fight with someone who's Lithuanian who wants sour cream. Yeah, yeah. You don't, you don't mess with it because it's like, okay. <laughs> right. right. It's like the, the secret sauce. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, you, you have, it's so funny because you go to the grocery store, you know, like some places have like walls of beef jerky or walls of hot sauce. It's walls of, you know, sour creams. And I'm like, there's not a lot. There's and they're like, there's a difference. I'm like, okay. So yeah. I would just get whatever one my friends would tell me to get. And right. There's got to be some nuance to that product. Yes, exactly. Right. Yeah. It's important. So when we're watching Walter's world and we're wondering 
Was your love of food something that predated your love of travel? Were you, were you a big eater when you were a young child before you started doing the whole travel thing? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I've always been a big eater. Uh-huh. Um, my parents never had a problem with me finishing my plate. Um, what was cool though, like my, it's funny, like growing up, my dad had like eight meals he liked. He's, he's an old farm boy. He like, oh, we have our steak, we have our pork chops, we have our spaghetti, we have our taco. You know, there's like seven or eight things. But my mom, she grew up in a family, had all kinds of different foods all the time. And my dad traveled a lot for work. So whenever my dad would go out of town, then my mom would like, we're going to have something different. We're going to have, she's going to make a stroganoff. She's going to make a, you know, a beef bourguignon. She's going to like, she's going to, you know, like Julia, I think, I think she knew, she didn't know Julia Child, but she was definitely inspired by Julia Child like like cooking and all kinds of stuff. So we had a lot of different stuff when my dad wasn't around. And then, and so it was always normal to just have different things. And then you kind of realize like, hey, like different stuff tastes good. You should keep trying. And so that's one that was always kind of with me. And then once I started traveling, I really decided like, I want to eat the local food as much as I can. And now, because I feel when I film, I want to make sure I show people local food. Right. So I always order local stuff. Even if I'm like, because sometimes you're like, like for example, you spend like six weeks in Italy, you're like, I done with pasta for <laughs> right. I'm like, you know, but you have the meats and stuff. It's like, but I'm just like, I gotta try this because we're in this new town. They're fit like in Bari, they have the orecchietti, the the ear pasta. You're like, I have to have that when we're here. Um, so I'm always making sure I do that. But it's funny because when I travel with my dad, I'm not I'm not trying to make his down that bad. He, he it's funny when he used to work, um, he, he used to be uh, work for a company work in Mexico and Korea. And he would eat whatever they gave him. Didn't matter what it was, he would eat it, no questions asked. But once he came home, he was the pickiest little guy <laughs> when it came with him. So, so whenever I travel with them, they still travel this occasionally. I always know that he'll he'll eat local like four, four days, five days in a row. But I know by day six, I gotta get him something like it's gotta be like an Irish pub or an Italian restaurant, something he from his, you know, seven, eight things he's used to eating. And then it'll be fine for another four or five days, you know. Uh, but but for me, I've always I've always wanted to do that. And our kids, we've always made them eat. Like we don't make them eat stuff. We like we make them try. Like look, you have to at least have a bite. Right. You know, if you don't like it, it's fine, but you got to try it. And this last summer, my my oldest son, he you know he's 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 a teenager now, so I want to stay home and I want to work and I want to make money. I want to hang with my friends. I want to do summer school. I'm like fine. So he stayed home this summer. It was his, with his papu and he was working and stuff. And the younger one came and he you know and he were going around. He's eleven at the time. He's still eleven. And uh, and he he's like we're ordering and he's ordering these things. I'm like wow, I never would have thought you would order that. Like he's getting the tuna fish pasta and the sardine pasta and and all these like really creative dishes. And I'm like, and in my back of my mind, I'm like, well, I'm going to get to finish that. No, I mean it was funny. We we because we always have a competition. Like who won the meal? Like who got the best thing? And honestly, for like three weeks straight, when we were in Italy, he won every single night. Like we were in Amalfi, we're in Puglia, we were in Rome. It's like boom, 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 boom. We got it. And I'm like, oh, because there's one. What was it? There's a there's a ravioli you want to have from um, from not Amalfi from um, Isle of Capri, mm-hmm. and and they gave us a like I speak Italian, but they get of course since I sit down we're speaking English, they give us the English menu, and I'm like where I'm like no, they don't have the like the caprese you know ravioli or whatever. I'm like okay, so I order something, and he's like. I think that's it dad and so he orders it i'm like you little guy <laughs> so he, he ended up getting it and he's like well dad i told you so it's kind of funny sometimes that you get you get humbled by your kids sometimes but uh, i know it's a bittersweet moment when you see that your child is ordering better food than you are i know i know and i'm like oh but he he did very well he did very well began the career of what you're doing now as uh, someone who's a professor are you still currently teaching oh yeah yeah i'm a teaching associate professor at the university of illinois 
And so Actually, I gave the, an exam yesterday. So. Oh, did you really? Oh, yeah. How many months during the year are you guys traveling? And, and you must be just be cramming so much content into each and every day and putting it together because you're oh. everywhere all the time. Yeah, I know. So like, um, I would say probably about five months out of the year traveling, maybe Film six, it. depends. Like before COVID, I was traveling a lot more. Uh, we're still ra- like this, this year we're ramping back up to where we were before COVID. But when the kids were little, it was easier to take them out of school because we have very understanding schools. Like, look, going to these countries is a better experience than like, you know, what they're going to learn in school this week. So I'll go. Uh, but now like our oldest one, he's in high school. So, I mean, I can I can teach math, but I can't teach math to my teenager. You know, it's like right. the head buddy is like, I need someone to help me with this one. Um, so is so that because it's a fr- to go. So is- what we'll do is we'll actually travel on my own. Some uh, like my wife will go by herself, or I'll go by myself um, for for some trips. And then when I do that, like I went to England for a couple of weeks in January before the semester began, and ended up filming like 150 videos. You know, wow. because we because we have. Because we have our main Walters World channel. We've got a Walters World Eats channel, which we have with food. We've got like ones for vertical videos, another channel for that. We've got a business channel where I do um, like some for my business courses that I teach, like my students can have stuff. So the 150 videos came from all those different ones, all those different channels. So That's amazing. You can crank out that kind of content and still stay sane and teach and take care of kids. Yeah. Some days, some days I'm a little like, but then, then, you know, it's one of those things you really have to figure out. Like, uh, like, for example, this morning I was like, look, I've got to, I got to get stuff out. So, you know, I'm, I'm going through the editing stuff. I'm putting things down. Like this needs to get changed. And then you just got to, it's one of those things you got to bear, just bear down. Just like, it sucks, but just let's get it done. Like right now I have a little bit of a window. I only have a trip to California before like the summer travel really starts up in, uh, in May. And um, so it's like, oh, I can get caught up on all those videos. And then then I can have so then I don't have like my, my goal is to have like the the videos kind of uploaded for the month ahead, you know, so that I'm not like last second. Because it used to be back in the day when I was doing this, like it would be like I, I'm like literally finishing rendering and making the video at like six in the morning to upload it so it goes live at seven in the morning on a Saturday. Wow. You know, and now it's like, no, no, let's 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 get we got a little bit more ahead of things with all of our editing. So now I'm I'm like halfway through April's April stuff, but I want to get, you know, I want to get my June and July already uploaded before we start traveling in the summer so I can focus on filming and not editing because then it's hard to really concentrate on everything. Do you travel with a group of people who are, would be described as a crew? <laughs> I travel with myself and my tripod. No kidding. Just you yeah, do all yeah, your own filming. We have, we have nobody with us. It, it like sometimes it was funny. I was I was going over a, a video I filmed for Aruba, and the sun's in the right spot, so you can see me talking. But then behind me in the sand, you can see my shadow and the tripod right there. And people were like, "Oh, who's filming that for you?" I'm like, "Oh, it's my buddy tripod." <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. A moment ago, you brought up COVID. I was wondering what it was like for you to be traveling during COVID when the rest of us were kind of quaking in our boots here at home, afraid to travel, afraid to get out. Was there some sort of a strange feeling that you had about the rest of the world while you were out there doing your thing? Yeah. So because usually we travel all around the world. Um, During COVID, we traveled all around the U.S. because you couldn't get anywhere, you know. So what happened was like we we were home, like because we got back from El Salvador and we were supposed to we, we were supposed to go to Cayman Islands like the next week. And that's when everything shut down. You yeah. know, so it's like, oh, well, and, you know, we thought, OK, we'll be we'll be able to go later. So I just kind of postponed stuff. And then you realize that uh, this is really serious. 
and we didn't do anything, you know, like uh, that March, April, May, June. But in June, I'm like, you know, we've been stuck in this house. Like we live in a smaller, like we live in a smaller city. So we have a house and a yard. So, you know, we could go out in our yard and do stuff. And, and, you know, it's like, we need to get out. Like we're, we're going to kill each other. Like we are all together all the time. Like, <laughs> I feel so sorry for my friends that like, they got little kids and they're stuck in a little apartment for a year or two, you know? And oh, like, yeah. You know, and so I'm like, we're going to go. So we planned out a trip to go down to Savannah, Georgia, where my wife used to live. My oldest son was born there. Um, and it was, but it was like, okay, we're going to plan this out. So we like, we're calling up, okay, which is the, which is the, the grocery store that, that, which one's taking it serious and cleaning and stuff, you know? And, and so that, okay, you want to go to the Publix on the island when you get here. And so we had it. So we like leave first thing in the morning, we're driving down, driving down, like, and the whole time we were there, like my kids and wife, they never went, they never went to the store. I, I was the one that would like, I'm the store person, you know, I die. It's fine. You all have a great life. You know? <laughs> so I was doing all that stuff. So I, I would go in and, and you know, we had, we had gotten all our stuff. So we had all our snacks. We had the cooler in the back. We had like, we had pre-bought a bunch of stuff is, but we were going down there. We ended up not deciding not to stay in Savannah, but to stay on Tybee Island, which has got the beaches and stuff. And so we rented like a floor of a house. But since no one was traveling, the whole house was empty. So they're like, you can't use the other floor, but you don't have to worry about anybody being there. So then we just kind of stayed there for the first week. And, and we kind of figured out how to, hey, we, we can do this. Like, we can still travel. We can be socially distanced. And I'd always thought about wanting to show the kids more of the U.S. because they've seen, you know, they've both been over 50 countries. And I'm like, hey, let's get them to, to you know, 50 states maybe, you know. Right. And so after that trip, we're like, okay, let's plan this out. And then they announced that the kid where we live, the kids were only going to be online that year. Oh, yeah. I'm like, well, let's use this opportunity. So then we did a trip. We went out to like Montana, Wyoming, Idaho for a month. Uh, and then we did like a month in Mississippi, Texas, Arkansas, Missouri, you know, just to show more different places, you know, so they can see that. And then that took us through like Christmas time. And then the, the next part of the year, we did a few trips around the Midwest, but then my oldest, they they went back to school like, you know, like every other day. So then mm -hmm. then we were like, OK, we're not going to go anywhere because you actually get a chance to like socialize. So we, we made sure they were back in school. And then we started our first big trip abroad again was to Ireland and Northern Ireland in, in November of 21. And then last year, we really started to get back again. Then we started doing more trips. And now this year, like I would say the second half of 22 and all of 23, we're, we're back to where we were traveling before, where it's like, there's a trip or two every month. Wow, that's fantastic. So obviously you must not have pets at home unless you have great pet sitters, huh? We, yeah, we do have, we have one dog, Brigadier, but he has, we do have a great pet sitter. We used to have, well, what was best when we would have our big summer trips, um, we had college age cousins and it's like, you can stay at home with your parents for this summer and live under their thumb, or you could come to our house and you have our entire house with our cable and our fridge. And here's the here here's like three hundred dollars of Domino's gift cards. <laughs> and, you oh, know, tough like, choice, Mark. And you can do that. And so, like one, he came like three summers uh, in a row. He's now he's now a, a, a producer on for TV for TV news. I'm like, dang it! <laughs> but he was great because he's like, oh, it's perfect because he got he got internships at like the local news station too. So like, it's a perfect setup for him. So that's what that's been a lot. And then so that, that's been like our, our godsend for the dog. Oh, yeah, Man, because that's it's, the, it's, I think it's expensive leaving your puppy in the, the daycares. Oh, yeah. No, it's tough. That's the biggest speed bump for a lot of us who have animals and we don't have a pet sitter. Yeah. Like ours, 
Because when we go on like a shorter trip, we can't get a pet sitter. We'll put him like he'll go to the doggy daycare, and he loves. Like I have to be careful; I don't say it too loud because if he hears me say it, he's gonna be like, "Oh!" And he gets like, I mean, he gets super excited if you know what I mean. And he's like, he's like, he's like at the door. It's like, let's go. And like, dude, you're gonna break your butt from fracking your tail so much to go there. So like, and whenever I pick him up, he's like, "Oh, oh, you came to get me? I love it here." I'm like. You're older now, man. You can't stay here this long because you hurt for a few days afterwards. That's funny that he hears doggy daycare. He gets all excited, sort of like the way you would get excited when you knew your dad was leaving town when you were a little kid. You know your mom was going to go into the kitchen and make you guys some great we, yummies. We, we, we get different food. Right. <laughs> yeah, it was, like, it was funny because like we go like we go to our grandma's house and she, she cooks, you know, like fried chicken or something. Like she was a farm lady. So she had like homemade ancient food cake, homemade cookies. We know... Oh, parents going out of town and grandma's coming. Oh, we're eating good. Like we oh, yeah. are eating good. We're eating oh, really yeah. well. So we always do. We come up from school. The entire like countertop would be full of cookies. And then like the island would be having the bread that she baked. And it's not in a bread machine, but like straight up like homemade bread. Oh my God. She was, she was amazing. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I wanted to ask you a little bit about you're coming up on 1 million subscribers on yeah. Walter's world. And Big that's trust. phenomenal. And, and, God bless you. I think that's great. How are you planning on celebrating that? Like looking at the numbers, how it's going, I think we'll be in Greece, either being Greece or Israel when that hits. So what I'd like to do is hopefully have like, hey, let let because we did this when we got to like 800,000 or 500,000. We had like a live ticker going. And so we can see and celebrate with everybody. But you never know when it's going to be. It's like if it's like three o'clock in the morning back in the U.S. where most of our fans are, it's like, I don't know if anybody's going to watch that live, you know, but it'd be kind of fun to have something. Um, yeah. That people have asked me like, I'm hoping, I'm hoping we're traveling at that time. But what's funny is like, I remember when we did the 500,000 one, people were like, we get like 499,998 and then like 10 people would unsubscribe. <laughs> I think we watched that one. You and Jocelyn did that together, right? Yeah. 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 I'm like, I'm like, Oh, come on. And so they would have finally got over. I'm like, okay, we're done. Okay. Thank you very much. I'm not going to show anyone <laughs> we made it. So I think it would be something like that because it's like, it's funny or knowing, knowing my luck because, you know, every so often, uh, once a month or once every month, YouTube will have like, they'll purge the fake accounts or whatever. They'll purge like people that haven't watched for a while. And so every channel loses some. So it'd be like, that would be the day they purge. And like, we'll be like, oh, we're almost there. It drops like a hundred. And they're like, wait, what? 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 <laughs> are you forever connected to the numbers and watching your subscribers and basing how good you are based on the numbers of people who are coming aboard? Is there some sort of a connection there? So I used to be, I used to be like really like psychotic about it. But then after, after the pandemic, you know, it's like people stopped watching travel content. Yeah. So it's like, I, instead of being worried about those, I should, I, what I really, what, what I really feel good about now is when people will write us, be like, Hey, I use your videos for our first vacation abroad. Hey, it's our first time traveling since the pandemic. You really helped us feel more comfortable doing it. Like those kind of comments, those people yeah. reaching out, that's where I really get the most satisfaction, you know, that I actually help people you know, go travel again. I mean, the numbers, the numbers are like, if I get like a 3 million view month or a 4 million view month, I'm like, yeah, all right, we're doing good. But, but it, it, the, the like satisfaction isn't as big now as it was, as it is when I'm like, we know we're helping people. So that's right. why like we have, we, we put out a lot of content from like Central America, South America. They don't get anywhere near the views that like our views for Europe videos or US videos. But I know for the people that actually do go to South America, it's really helpful. Because a lot of a lot of travel vloggers don't go to South America specifically because oh well I'm not going to get a million views or I'm not going to you know lots oh, of views on it. Yeah. and for us I'm like I want people to travel so we're going right. to go any place we can so so that's why people will write us like you know you like 
you have the most random places. You have the big places like the Parises and the Tokyos, but then you've got like, you know, random places like Tianjin, China and like, you know, whatever. And I'm like, well, yeah, because there are people that still go to those places. No, it's not going to, it's never going to be a million view video, but for that family that's going to go there, that person's going to go there. They're going to feel like a million dollars because they got information on it. So if I can help them, I, I think that's a win. I can see that there's so much satisfaction when you're doing your thing. You just like, you light up and like you're in your element and it's, it's amazing. It comes across. Everyone can tell that. Oh, that's cool. Thanks, man. I appreciate yeah. it. So I want to ask you a little bit about the marketing that you do, because that's always been something that's so important to me in all the endeavors that I've done. I've noticed that the way that you entitle your YouTube videos, you might go along the lines of saying the worst things to do in Barcelona or the most dangerous city or so you're coming from an interesting angle or place. And I'm wondering what the marketing thoughts behind that kind of titling was for your thumbnails. Yeah. So this is actually a thing that um, when I first started out, I always, and I always tell, cause people will write us like, Hey, how, how can I get started on YouTube? I'm like, Hey, try all kinds of stuff. See what works. Okay. It's, remember you're not, you're making videos for yourself. You got to make videos that an audience wants to watch. And so when I first started making videos, I did a lot of language videos. Like, oh, people want to go to Germany. They, they're going to want to speak some German. They're, they're going to Spain. They want to speak some Spanish. And so I made all these language videos. And it turns out nobody wants to learn the language before they go. Or So I uh, so I went from making like 50 videos, not made up 50, like 20 videos on a language to like, look, here's the basics that tourists need to know in German. And that's it. Right. Yeah, like I totally, I, but at the first I started to see like, wait, people don't actually want that. And that was making like the top 10 sites to see in Paris, the top 10. And I realized that people don't want that. There's so many other things out there. They just go on a list. I was like, and I started to see, we did this video, the five things you love and hate about Portugal and five things you love and hate about Germany. Those are first ones. And it was like, people are like, wait, this is something different. This is like, you're not just giving me the list. You're telling me what to look out for, but what I'm really going to enjoy. And you're honest about it. And, and that really, you know, I've always made a point to be honest in our videos from the very beginning. Cause I I hate all the, like the fluff pieces and, you know, you know, it's not fair. Cause like if a family wastes, you know, five days of their vacation because someone wrote an overly exaggerated blog, that's not right. That's that could be their one chance to go to Europe in their life or, or Australia. And it's ruined because someone got an extra beer or, you know, a couple grand to write a, overly nice article. I, I just, I just couldn't in my soul, I couldn't do that to people, you know? And so I started l- making these things. And then I started to see that the truthful videos, I, you had to find a way and see how people actually react. And I started to see that people don't want to know what to do. They want to know what not to do. Interesting. So the thing is, is I get people to watch the negative, like the don'ts, but I make sure they're very positive because not yeah. just like, don't do this in a bad way, but it's also don't forget to do this. So people will come on, and if you look at some of the comments, and especially in the earlier don'ts videos, people come on. It's like I came to watch this video to be mean to you because you said you know you do what you don't do when you go to Finland or whatever. But then you are very respectful and point out some really good stuff, and it's actually helpful information, and it's really do's and don'ts. I'm like, yep. And they're like, why do you do that clickbait? I'm like, because people don't click on ten things you should do or. 10 cultural importances you should know when you go to a country, they click on the don'ts of going to Paris or, you know, 10 things that shock tourists when they go to Nicaragua. Like they click on that. And the thing is, is some people say, well, that's clickbait. I'm like, no, it's not. Clickbait is when you give a title that shocks people to click on it and then you don't deliver on that promise. Uh-huh. When I talk about it, it says 10 things that surprise shock tourists when they go there. I give you 10 things that really are culture shocks that people have when they're there. 
You know, right. so it, it, we actually deliver on it. So it's not really clickbait. So yeah, we were ta- talking about that the other day about how you entitle your videos or your thumbnails. And we were thinking it's sort of like the way that people have this kind of interesting energy to train wrecks or the rubbernecking when you're on the highway yeah. and something's happening. And so those kind of those kind of thumbnails make me want to watch. But then when yeah. the way you deliver everything is just so sweet and fun. And you forget that you clicked on it because it said worst or there's yeah. any of that kind of feeling. Yeah. And that's the thing is I feel like I, my, my thumbnails aren't like super exciting, you know, because I want to show like a nice view of the place and stuff. But I know I have to do something to get people to click because I want people to get good information because there is honestly there is so many bad travel YouTubers out there that aren't really giving people good information or helpful information or sometimes they're giving information that can get them in trouble. And I'm like. No, no, just because, you know, like there's the ones like, oh, how to sneak more of your stuff into your suitcase or how to sneak more stuff onto the plane. I'm like, yeah, it might work when you get on, but if it doesn't work when you get back, you can get in trouble for that kind of stuff, you know, and, right. I, and I don't feel comfortable. I don't want to put anyone in a position that I wouldn't want to be in. You know, so that's why it's always funny because people are like, well, what about the, the secrets and the tra- travel stuff you don't talk about? I'm like, look, I put everything in the videos. I do not hide anything for myself. There's no like, oh, wait, let me take out this secret don't for you. No, no, I'm like, look, I want to give everybody everything so then they can be prepared to travel on their own because people have asked us, are you going to do tours and stuff? I'm like, yeah, I could do tours. I, I take student groups and stuff, but I'm like, my whole goal is to get you ready, you know, the, that person watching ready so they can travel and they feel comfortable to go on their own. Like, that's my big thing. I want it so you don't want to travel with me because you can do it by yourself. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's been... uh an amazing kind of resurgence now, I'm sure after COVID people watching you and like joining you on your journeys and all of that. Yep. Oh yeah. And it's funny because we're getting like, I'm starting to see the people are getting ready to travel again. Not, but the numbers are, the numbers are doing better. They're not like, they're not pre COVID numbers. I mean, they'll be really nice. They're pre, but they're, right. they're, they're creeping back up there, but the comments, how the people are commenting it is definitely more like I'm getting ready to travel. This is what I wanted to watch. This is what I needed. You know, a lot of them are like, hey, you know, it's hard to find. Or my favorite is like, oh, I didn't know you're still making videos. I'm like, we put out a video every Wednesday and Saturday. Right. <laughs> but the thing is, is people went two years without traveling. So if you subscribe to a channel on YouTube and you don't because you're not traveling for two years, you don't watch a travel content, they're never going to show it to you. So anybody uh-huh. listening to this podcast, if there's somebody you're like, oh, I used to love listening to that or watching that one YouTube channel. Go look. You're still subscribed to them. Go and find them. Watch a couple of their videos. They'll start popping up again. Because because how all these things work, you get kind of stuck in the, a funnel, like they'll call it the algorithm. But it really is. Now, if you're watching these things, I'm going to give you more of what you're already watching, not the stuff that you subscribe to. So right. that, that's, that's one of those things. It's like I know once the travel starts really picking up in the summer, things will get back, will kind of flow back into their feed. I'm not I'm not too worried about it. Mark, how do you handle it when you go out uh, early in the day, you're going to make some food related videos and you go to your first restaurant and it's just garbage? Uh, will you just say, forget it, we're not going to even do a piece on this? Or will you do a piece on a place that you really didn't enjoy and be truthful about that experience? So this is why this is one of the big reasons why I don't give restaurant names. So because because I, I mean, for, I mean, I love what Guy Fieri did with his diners, drive-ins, and dives, because it got people to go out and find stuff nearby, you know, and they're yeah. finding those places. And that thing is people will go to those restaurants and they'll only get what he ordered. Mm-hmm. Or the Bourdain effect, where people will go to that exact restaurant and only order what's there. 
There was one in Lisbon. I know exactly where he went. It was actually a really good restaurant, like, I mean, literally across the street, but no one goes there now because it wasn't in Bourdain and they only order that one thing. When uh-huh. I take my students abroad, like we were in Denmark. And so like they had, it's not noon. What was the one? It just, they're closing it up in Denmark. It was like the world's Noma. Noma. Yeah. So my students like, we're going there and we're ordering this. And I'm like, one, I can't afford to go there. So good for you guys. But I'm like, why not? Like you have like six of you going at a reservation. I'm like, why not you order different stuff to try? They're like, no, I have to get this. So I kind of made it a point in our food videos to be more, hey, here's the food you should have in the city. Here's this food you should have in this town. You know, so like you can experience on your own. And man, people get mad at me. They're like, you need to tell me exactly where that was. And I'm like, it's, I'm like, it's Vicenza. You get the bigly with duck sauce. A lot of places, there's no like, but but I just felt really bad because what I've seen, I'm not, I'm not gonna lie to you. There's been a few times I've actually mentioned specific restaurants and not three months later after I post the video, it closes. Like there was, oh. we were in um, West Virginia and uh, New Gorge, New Gorge, it's in West Virginia. There's this new national park there. And this is really good barbecue place. I'm like, I, I don't know how it went out of business. Cause it was like, I'm like, this was top notch stuff. And so I had them in the video and literally like the summer ended. I post the video in the middle of the summer by the fall, they closed up. And I'm like, I'm like, all right, that was my, that was my lesson. Not going to do it. And cause that's the thing is, I don't want people to be upset if that restaurant isn't there anymore or it's not as good as it was. So I'd rather them have the chance, like make them go and talk to a local, mm-hmm. ask them where they can find that bigly with duck, ask them where they can find the stromboli, you know, like these kind of things. Cause I really want people to kind of step out of their comfort zone. Cause then you might go and they're like, Oh, you like the bigly with duck. Well, you might want to try this when you go to Venice because they have one with sardines in it. You never think about that. That's really traditional there. I'm like, Oh, okay. You know, and, and that's one thing I really like is how food is something we all enjoy. We all eat, we all have fun with it and people love it about travel. So use that because it's also when you're eating or you're at a bar or whatever, you're like kind of like barriers come down a bit. So you're more open. It's not because let's be honest, if you're walking down the street and some random person said, Hey, what are you wearing? Or, Hey, what do you, you know, like, what's that cologne? You're like, uh, I'm not talking to you weirdo. <laughs> if you're at a restaurant, someone goes, Oh wow, that smells fantastic. What is that? Or what did you order? You're like, Oh, I, you're kind of proud. Like I ordered the bigly <laughs> and they're like, Ooh, you know, so it's, right, it's right, right. funny how people are much more kind of forthcoming and open when they're eating. Well, you know, travel and food are so well connected. In the old days, when I'd go traveling for one week, I wasn't thinking about the cathedrals and the buildings and the museums. I was thinking about 21 meals and where <laughs> I was going to go. So do you think that there was a point in your life where you would also do kind of all your pre-research ahead oh. of time related to the food? Oh, yeah. Like that that's one of the toughest parts is like, because when I'll do my research, I will read through, I mean, literally hundreds of blogs. I will watch dozens of YouTube videos. I go to the library. I'll look through the Lonely Planets, the Fodors, the Thromers, all those things. Right. And you get an idea what you have to have. But sometimes you're like, start drooling like, oh, I really want that one. Like National <laughs> Geographic always has the best pictures. And then right. there's the the DK guides, eyewitness guides. They also have really good pictures of the food. And you're like, oh, my God, that looks good. You're like, I don't know, but I want to have this. And sometimes you're kind of like focused on it. Like, especially if I go back to the place I used to live, like going to Lithuania. I went back this summer. I'm like, well, I'm going to Lithuania. And like my buddy picked me up at the airport. I'm like, I need a Shvitris beer and I need the fried brown bread with mayonnaise and cheese sauce. Stat. Right. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, I got a perfect place for you. There's like the best Zeppeline is off the highway in Kolnitz. And literally we drive up. I'm like, Captain Duana, Zeppeline, Shvitris. They're like, yep, yep, yep. Like, oh, okay. 
now I can focus on the culture. Cause like there's that food that I'm like, I have to have. I know. You know, if you don't, if you don't get the right food or you, or you have that diner's remorse, it's a mm-hmm. bad day. So everyone's got to eat well when they're traveling. Oh yeah. And, and that's one thing is some cities will get a really bad rap because their food isn't as good as people thought it was going to be. Yeah. Like, yeah. People will, people will say, Oh, Italian food is horrible. I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, I was in Venice and we ate there. The food was horrible. And we, then we went to like Austria next. I'm like, well, yeah, you're in Venice. It's like eating in Orlando. You got millions of tourists that come every single day. They don't care about you because you they can be horrible as they want. Someone else is going to sit in your seat tomorrow. You know, so that's why, you know, if you're in Venice, if you go off the island and you eat, you know, a mestre, you know, like off the, the mainland stuff, yeah. you get significantly better food at a significantly lower price. Right. It's like, you know, that's why I always tell people, it's like, look, you don't have to like go 10 miles from the, the historic center to get good food, but go two or three bo- blocks away from that major site and the price will come down a lot and it's significantly get tastier in the food. Yeah. Yeah. Have you noticed a lot of other travel YouTubers out there are starting to really focus on the scams that are going on? Because I've noticed a lot of the people that we're looking at uh, are now speaking about that, trying to warn us about what's happening. Yeah. So one one of the things I actually have talked to some other YouTubers about this and they're like, you want a guaranteed video that's going to do well? Scams. Just talk about scams. People don't want to get ripped off. And that's, that's become a very popular thing. And people know that. And so more and more people are doing it, which is good to let people know. So I'm ha- I'm happy. Like I have, a, and what's interesting is I have a video on general scams for Europe, right? Yeah. But people won't watch that one. They'll only watch, I want to know the scams in Barcelona. Right. I want to know the scams in Paris. And so, but they'd be like, well, this is like the same thing as in Barcelona. I'm like, I know, but people don't watch unless I have a specific video for that town. So a lot of them will repeat themselves or the, because a lot of things, I mean, some, some cities like, if you're in Milan, the guys that try to give you stuff and tie stuff on you is way bigger. Whereas in Barcelona, it's way more the pickpocketers or the guys that bump into you with mustard and daughter and, uh, oh, yeah. you know, so like that's what I'm trying to help people out. So I, I have noticed that as well, especially because if you're looking at the short form content, uh, you can do a, a quick tip on a scam and you, there's, you know, there's 10 scams to talk about. You can make 10 little videos. Boom. There you go. So they can fill up their, their, their content reel. And the thing is, is what I've seen in our videos is that the ones I make on advice never, ever do as well oh. as like destination things. So like a don'ts, uh, like except in a few cases, like our scams of Paris has got over a million views and uh, they, they, so they'll, they'll do okay, like the scam stuff. But if I'm like, you know, how to get cheap flights, um, how not to fall into a tourist restaurant, you know, those ones, they'll do okay, but it'll never be a million, never be 500,000, you know, but like, I've got one that's coming out of the don'ts of Paris. I'm like, within three years, it's going to be a million views. Wow. But, you know, but I, I, I mean, I haven't released yet. I just know that that's how those go. And so it's interesting because when you think to yourself, I'm like, well, people want to not get ripped off. They want to know where to get good food. I, mean, I have a video that I thought would have done very well, how to eat cheap and well when you travel. And so it talks about the best places to go, how to find locals, how to do this stuff. I mean, it, it, it I think it has like 200,000 views after like eight years. Like it just never did anything. And I'm like, great thumbnail. It's in Prague. It's like, just as it's a really good video. It never took off because people, they're not looking. They're like, I need to know how to eat cheap and well in Prague. Like if I would have said in Prague, then it would have done better. You know? So it's, there's the destination side of it. And, and when you talk about the numbers, if you like YouTube really gives you a lot of analytics, you can look at it. It'll tell you like, is it worth doing this anymore? And uh-huh. like there's videos like the, the, the top 10 science I don't do anymore because they don't, they don't get viewed the language videos, except for Germans, Germans watch the language videos, but otherwise no one watched the language videos. 
there are a lot of polyglots out there though who are doing extremely well. Yeah. You know. Oh yeah, I mean, that's one thing I've thought about doing another channel just like in Spanish or German or whatever just to make it cuz like our our language videos the me the ones that have done the best is me speaking German but teaching them English, wow. teaching them Italian, teaching them German or Portuguese. Those actually did better back in the day than me speaking English and teaching people foreign languages, you know? So that can help out. I've um was it um Audrey and Oh, I'm forgetting his name. I, I've talked to him all the time. They're a Canadian couple. They live down in Argentina now. And they started because her dad's from Argentina. And they started, a, they had their Samuel and Audrey. Yeah. And they they had their English language channel, which did fine. But then she speaks fluent Spanish. So they started making their videos in Spanish. And that one's like twice the size. It's made like 100,000 views for every video. You know, it's like, yeah, if you find that audience, you can do very well. So like, but I'm like, I just, I just don't have the time. Like, honestly, I just don't have the time to put, put put another language together, like all the channels we already have. I know I can kick out a lot of content, but it's, oh, yeah. that full-time job thing really takes up some time. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about the uh, the ponytail. Are you an aging hippie like me? I'm just aging. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I had, so when I was in high school, because uh, I, I graduated high school like in 95, like I had long hair, early 90s, like uh-huh. I would say like beginning of high school. I mean, I, it, like when I was, when I graduated high school, it was like to my butt crack, you know, and then I cut it off when I went to college, like when I was in college, you know, I made the mistake of listening to people and I cut it off. And then like within two years, I, I started growing it longer again. And then like when I had my master's, I grew it long. And then when I got my, like, when I went to my like teaching for the first time, like, well, I must be, you know, wear a suit every day to work. So I cut it short again. I used to work in financial advising. So I had short hair then. And I'm like, I just don't like that short hair. I, I want to be free. I mean, yes, I am bald. Okay. I, I know that there's nothing on top, but I still like having it. It's just something, it's just something I like. It's just oh, something yeah. like. It's appealing, you know? So a lot of us think, oh, okay, you know, there's stuff going on that maybe Mark doesn't talk about in his videos and that, you know, he's got kind of a colorful background. <laughs> yeah. No, I just, I just have, I have a good time with it. It's funny because people, people are like, oh, you'd be better if you just cut it off. I'm like, I will live, or the rest are like, you're bald. I'm like, I live in denial and I'm going to live in denial till there's one hair left. I don't care. Cause I just, I don't know. You're right. It does. It does make, I guess the hippie side of me. Yes. Going back to the, the original reasons why. Yeah. There is some of that there. Uh, but that's one of those things Like people are like, well, why don't you just do the man bun? I'm like, I don't want a man bun. Right. Right. A ponytail. Exactly. There's a difference. There's a yep. difference people. <laughs> <laughs> Were you a ginger growing up? Uh, my, my beard was actually, uh-huh. but when I, but my hair was very blonde. I had super blonde hair. Uh, when I, but I also worked at swim clubs in high school. So like, was it bleached out? I don't know. But I remember the first time I grew out a goatee, it was red and my mom's uh-huh. got some red hair in her and there's some red hair back in the family. Is that, is that your heritage? Are you Irish or Northern Europe? Northern Europe. Yeah. So we, my mom did the old 23 and me thing. And so we go around, there's French and German, there's Scottish, there's Norwegian, which we know where that came from. Cause we went up to the, not the Alaska, we went to the Shetland islands in Northern Scotland. And that was part of Norway. And so like, we saw like our great, 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 grumpy grumps graves and houses and stuff. And they're like, yes. And then Norway's right over there. And I used to own this. And I'm like, Oh, there, there you go, mom. There's your 3% Norwegian. Like if your family lived here for a few hundred years, it was part of Norway, you know? So right. like, there's going to be some Norwegian in there still. So at some point before the wall came down, had you visited Eastern Europe and places like that? No, sadly I hadn't. Um, I was that's a little bit before my time, but I was in Berlin doing my master's 
when they had the 10 years after the fall of the wall. So I okay. was there at the Brandenburg gate. Yeah. They had scorpions playing, um, who John major was there. Uh, who I think Bush one was there. Um, well, Helmut Cole wasn't there. I don't think he was there, but it was like all the big players were there for it. And it was just this cool celebration because they were still rebuilding Berlin at that time. You know, right. it's like, you know, get everything there. And it hadn't sold its soul to capitalism yet, you know, like it has now where it's Starbucks and KFC at every corner. So it was like this awesome place to live. And there was this huge concert right there. And I'm like, hey, this is pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. How has your YouTube success affected the way that people approach you and being recognized and things related to being comfortable on camera, no matter whether or not your hair's out of whack or if you got a zit on your face or your yeah. clothes aren't right. I mean, how does that all kind of work I, together? I do want to say, I love how you're looking at me as you're explaining what I look like. And you got some spinach in your teeth and everything. Yeah, right, right. Thanks. Thanks, Matt. No, um, honestly, it's, it, that's one of the things that I tell you is that you just got to keep making videos. You feel more and more comfortable, you know, and I remember early in my YouTube career, this is before even Walters were when I had a different channel and I had my camera up there and like I was in Switzerland and everybody walked by on the camera were like, no, 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 no. Or they like try to talk over me or whatever. Like one guy like picks up my camera and looks at him like, really, dude, you know, like, but now I like people can come and try to make fun. And I'm like, Hey, I'm laser focused, man. I'm like, I, I gotta put food. I'm putting food on the table. Like I'm feeding my family with this, man. I you can you can make fun of me all you want. Um, it's fine. But I really like when our fans actually come up and talk to us. So like if they're there, I'm like, oh, come say hi, say to your family, and we'll cut that into some of their videos sometimes. Um, but it's funny that like the ones the ones that are like kind of awkward is the the I, they won't like I'll see because I'll see people right people recognize us all a lot quite often, but they don't always oh, yeah. come up. Uh, but it, for me, it's okay. I'm like, oh, say, hey, come say hi. It's totally fine. And they'll, they won't come up, but then I'll get like back to the hotel, like 10 minutes later, like, I just saw you in the park filming. I thought it would be weird if I came up and said hi. So I'm just writing you here on Instagram. And I'm like, this is weirder than if you would have come up and said hi, you know, so just come up and say hi. So it's really nice. And usually when people come up, we'll talk for a little bit, you know, about some where they're going, where their travels are. Cause I like to know where people are going to go, like, you know, what, what, what they liked, you know, so I can make better videos and help them out. So that's been, that's, that's kind of a cool thing. Um, in terms of getting like more comfortable in front of the camera, like I said, you just got to keep doing it, doing it, and doing it. And sometimes it's weird. Like sometimes, I mean, I'll be honest, getting back behind the camera with a lot of people going by this last summer when I was in Italy, it was hard for me to get back into it. Because back in the day, man, I could be like Eiffel Tower, put it right there, build Jillian tourists around me. I'm like, hey there, fellow travelers, Mark, you're in Walter's World, we're in Paris. No problem. Now I'm like, oh, uh, hi, we're here. I'm like, no, no, no. Like you gotta bring the energy. You gotta be, and so I'm. I'm starting to get back. Well, no, I'm. I'm I think I'm pretty much back to to like the uh, the like right away. Like, hey, no problem with all the people around. But it was weird after a couple of years of nobody around when I was filming because like literally it was like nobody around, and then having everybody there. It's like okay, gotta get this down. It helped last summer. I was on the Amalfi Coast and I had to film some videos like relatively quickly. Because like we had a driver, he's like, I'm gonna be back in like 15 minutes. He's like, if you gotta get your stuff filmed, get it filmed. So I'm like, all right, I can't mess up. I gotta get as much as I can. It's like 15 minute window. I'm like, all right. And there's like this lineup of like teenagers here, like on the like seawall. I'm like, yeah, what this guy doing? What is he going? Oh, and I'm like, what's? And then they kind of all sit and they start standing and they start to realize what I'm doing. And then like, huh? And then I see them taking out their phone. And they're looking for me. And then they're like, hey, that's that guy. And then it was like, okay, all right, I'm helping. Like. 
if teenagers in another country are making fun of me, we're okay. Let, let's hey, do this. So any publicity is good publicity, right? Yeah. 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 So you're able to overcome any of the kind of self-conscious things just by doing it over and over and over again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Is there any competition between you and Jocelyn, your beautiful wife, about what you guys are doing? Because you both have separate lives, but you both exist in social media? No, not actually not at all. Like we actually help each other out. So she'll make content for me and I'll edit content for her and put something there for her. So there's no... There's no no competition or anything like that. I mean, I love her to even do more. Like she's starting to do um, thanks her backgrounds in architectural history and architectural and preservation. Uh-huh. So she's started doing some like shorter videos on like this is what here are the different kind of columns you have or you ever wonder what those big blocks are on the corner of buildings, you know. And so she kind of uh, she started to make some more videos talking about architectural history, which is her kind of game, like her yeah. expertise. So I'm like, yes, do this. So I think that's one thing. Eventually, you're going to see more and more of that as we go, because that's something that she can do, that she like she has ownership on, too. Oh, that's really cool. Um, when you guys do it together and you sit down and you're doing your streaming or whatever, those those videos are precious. Those are really good. <laughs> the way you guys get get along and, you know, you're putting in the the little commentary and the love and it's yeah. really nice. Oh, thank you. It was, and that was the thing, like, I remember when I, because I used to just do the lives by myself. And then during, like, and Jocelyn would come in for a little bit, but it was mostly just me doing the stuff. But then once COVID hit, we were doing Whiskey Wednesdays and then Saturday mornings as well for like right. two or three months. We did every Wednesday and every Saturday because every like everybody, there was so many people that were alone. You know, it's like, let's just have somebody have something normal. So we would just talk. And, and that, that's where we really got a good kind of like back and forth kind of thing going. And we would, I mean, I remember we'd do like six hours on a Wednesday night. And of course, by six hours of whiskey drinking, by the end, it's like, hey, you have a great Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> Let's finish a bottle and do an, an extra video. <laughs> exactly. Wow. Where have you been thinking about going to places that you haven't visited before? Are you thinking about anything special that you could so disclose it, here? So I'm still trying to reconfigure. Like I always tell people this story. It's like, our destination, where we're going to go, is kind of like a house of cards. We kind of place it on, like, where, the, where we're going to go here, then it depends where we go next, where it goes there. And then yeah. COVID, the entire house of cards just fell down, right? And so now it's kind of like we pick up a card. Okay, that's the card we can do right now. We're going to do that. So it's so in the air where we're going to go, whereas usually I kind of know, like, oh, next year we're going to do this, and then probably in two years we're going to be here. Now it's kind of, oh, like, not open-ended, but it's much more fluid. But I know, like, this summer we've got – I'll be teaching in Europe for part of the time, but I'll be, you know, Spain and Portugal and France. And then we're going to, we got one to Israel, Jordan, Greece. um, And we have those kind of stuff. But then it's like going forward, whereas before I would have a lot of stuff already booked or already planned or have an idea. Now it's like so open. It's kind of like, well, where do we want to go? Where should we go? You know? And so like, we'll ask our kids where they want to go or we'll ask our fans. They get to pick where we go. So I think probably the fall will be, Hey, Liam, where do you want to go? Or our fans, where would you like to see us go? And we'll do something like that. And, you know, getting back, because we were back, we were in Brazil last week, and we were in Dominican Republic about three weeks ago, four weeks ago. Um, it's like, hey, you know, it's it's nice to be back in Caribbean, Central America, South America. I'm like, we need to do more of those. Like, I know they don't get a lot of views, but we need to go back there to help the people that actually are going to be going there. So, but I, I think we'll, I think next year, next year, I think we're probably going to hit a little bit more Central South America. And then I'd like to get, I think, like right now I'm leaning towards like, Middle East during the holidays, uh-huh. you know, in, or in January uh, to get there. So, but it's not, I don't have the, the tickets booked yet. So that's why it's kind of like figuring out where to go. Cause I know 
one of the places that Jocelyn really wants to go to Bhutan and Ethiopia. I really want to get to Egypt. So those are ones that are definitely on the list of places we want to go. You know, it's really cool to think about. You might be in the promised land, Israel, when you hit your promised land number of a million I know, followers. That would, be, that would be pretty cool. That would oh, be pretty yeah. Cool. Oh, so, absolutely. Oh, we're <laughs> keeping our fingers crossed. We'll, we'll be talking when you hit two million. So Yeah, they, they say it's faster to go from one to two million than from zero to one. So I'll let you know. <laughs> it's the same kind of thinking. They say, you know, the second million is easier, but when yeah. they're talking about money, not about bands and subscribers. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's once great. You, once, you, once you start doing it, then it's like, hey, it's easier to continue it. Yeah. So, hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> well, well, you know, you're doing it, man. And uh, what would you like to plug? Is there anything that you'd like to to tell me that I haven't asked you about that we can? I would say if you're wanting, for those who are listening, if you want to check us out on YouTube, it's Walters World, W-O-L-T-R-S world.com. Or you can go to the website, WaltersWorld.com. You can find us on all the social media, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Pinterest, LinkedIn, we, we're everywhere you can go. We have our we have our videos out there. We have links to contact us. Um, if you want to watch our food videos, it's called Walter's World Eats. Uh, if you want to see my business videos where I teach marketing, social media marketing, that's Professor Walters. You can go to professorwalters.com or look for Professor Walters on YouTube. We're all over the place. But honestly, we just want to help people travel better. And uh, we hopefully, if you watch some of our videos, read some of our blogs, you can travel better too. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been such a pleasure to have you here on 50 Tastes of Grey. It's been a blast. Well, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of yours, and I hope that uh, if there's anything I can do for you, please let us know over here. Well, I appreciate it. Same and thing. Come, come visit. <laughs> I wish I could. We were supposed that was that was one of our uh, COVID trips was supposed to happen, and then my one of one of us tested positive, so mm-hmm. we spent two weeks quarantined in our house instead of quarantine on the beach. So. Right. <laughs> Wow. We'll get back there for sure. Fantastic, Mark. We'll stay in touch. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, and uh, Well, thanks for having me. It means a lot. It means a lot. Thank you. Yeah. You're awesome, man. Keep it up. Thank you. And Have a good ask one. Jocelyn if she'd like to be my guest. Also, I'd love to talk architecture with her and about travel and all that. I'll talk to her about it. Cool. Fantastic. I'll ask her. All right. Thanks. Take thanks, care. Matt. Aloha. Bye. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.